So I'm going to start a little bit of the reading of the handout you guys got. And the prelude to the message this morning is titled, The Sinful Sluggard. R.C. Sproul says, Here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. And we can see just a few selections of Proverbs illustrate this. Proverbs 6.6, 6, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Proverbs 6.7, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Thank you, John, and thank you, Miss Peggy, for playing the piano today. And thank you, everybody, for being here. It's a beautiful day. Last week, we were in that little room down the hallway because there were not so many people. But here today we have a great turnout. Appreciate everybody being here on this gorgeous day that the Lord has made. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this wonderful day of life. There is so much activity outside. Spring is in the air. The birds are outside building their nests and all of those leaves are popping out of trees and the blossoms. It's beautiful. Your creation is awesome, God. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to go to the cross to die for us for being the payment for our sins, for being the propitiation, the only payment that could cover our sin. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being here today, yeah. that you would guide my tongue, forgive the sin in my life, that your word would not be hindered. Lord, that everything we do today is glorified by you, and it's for you, and for your honor. And God, you are wonderful. And Jesus, thank you again for dying. We love you, God. Amen. As you know, the last few weeks we have been going over a study each week from the book of Proverbs. You recall three weeks ago, it was the fear of God. That's a great topic. Hundreds of passages in the Bible that deal with that subject. And then two weeks ago, we went over guard your heart. It's very important for us to live a righteous life before God, and we must guard our heart and what comes through it. And of course, the Lord is the Lord over our heart. And then last week, we looked at godly friends and what the Bible, especially from the book of Proverbs, teaches us on how to choose godly friends. Today, we're going to look at another topic. The title of the lesson is The Sinful Sluggard. God wants all of us to be productive for his kingdom. When we look at these passages from Scripture, we're going to see that the Lord actually gets angry at and in some ways pokes fun at. He disregards anybody who is lazy and as the Bible would call a sluggard. And when we look at these passages, as always, every verse in the Bible only has one meaning. However, there are endless applications because each one of us in this room have grown up in a different environment with a different background. But also, each one of those verse meanings, we should look at it from a physical perspective. And then on the other side of the coin, what is God telling us in the spirit world? The spirit world is much more important to the Lord than the physical world. 
Everything we have in the physical world is passing. One day we'll be burned up. But everything in the spirit world is forever. Our soul is forever. The people that are lazy in this life, that are being non-productive, and in many cases are using the system, God is not appreciative of that. So we're going to look at some passages here that deal with this topic and hopefully gain a little bit of insight from Solomon, this wise king who wrote this book, most of this book. We will glean some of the wisdom that he is giving us. R.C. Sproul, many of you in this room probably are familiar with that name. He passed about a month ago. This is an interesting quote that he had about sluggards and people that are lazy. He said, here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not so much that it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. <laughs> so he doesn't sugarcoat any of the words there. He kind of puts us in two baskets. We're either diligent about the study of God's word or we're not diligent, we're being lazy. As we look at the sinful sluggard, we're going to look briefly at four points. The first point today will be the sluggard does not have initiative to start or to finish tasks. The second point is the sluggard in God's economy is useless and self-deceived. The third point today is the sluggard is in rebellion against God. And the fourth point is God commands us to be productive for his glory and for his kingdom. Point number one, the sluggard does not have initiative to start or finish tasks. When John was reading those text verses today, the first verse that we looked at, Proverbs 6, 6, it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Many of us, as we were growing up, we had ants in the yard. And they're, in many respects, pesky little creatures, especially when we're at a picnic somewhere next to the river, right? How do those ants always find the spot where we're having the picnic? It's amazing what they do. But if you study the ant, it's a very industrious creature. They're very productive. God is saying here to the lazy person, consider this ant. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Many of us that have used tools, we've had, for example, a grinder, and it will have a belt on it. If that belt gets slack, the grinder will not grind. You put the metal on to grind it, and it'll just slip. You have to take care of the slack in that grinder belt in order for it to be productive. The same thing God is saying to the sluggard. He becomes poor. That's a sluggard that has a slack hand, that doesn't work hard for a living. Just like you would not be able to grind that metal or that wood, this person that has a slack hand that's a sluggard, he will not be productive, either in the physical world or in the spiritual kingdom. And it really begs the question, can a sluggard truly be saved? Proverbs 12, 27, 
The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Here's the picture that God's word is painting. We have a hunter. He enjoys the sport of hunting. And he goes out and he actually kills the prey that he intended to go out and hunt. But we learn from this that his enjoyment was in the actual process, not in the provision that the animal would provide to his family. It says the slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting. The flip side is the substance of a diligent man in God's eyes is prescience. The substance of a man is his core being, his heart and his soul. That person who's diligent will take care of his family. That person who's diligent will take care of his wife. That person who's diligent will take care of his parents. And now, in my case, last week, I had my third grandchild. So, in some respects, that diligent person will see to a degree even after his grandchildren. Proverbs 21.5 The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. Did you ever hear that saying, haste makes waste? It's so true, isn't it? It's like when we run out the door to try to catch whatever appointment we have, then we forget three things on the way to the appointment. Haste makes waste. But the thoughts of the diligent are to plenteousness. This also speaks to planning in our life. When we diligently think through what we need to accomplish, whatever the goal is that we need to take care of, there's a planning process involved. The person who is hasty in life, they do not have the foresight to plan. And perhaps even their parents will tell them, you know you have a test on Friday. Are you studying for that test coming up? Oh, yeah, Mom. Yeah, Dad, I'll take care of it. Friday rolls around and they're not prepared. They are putting off, they have the lack of the planning and the foresight, but the diligent, their thoughts tend to plenteousness. Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's improbable that a sluggard or a lazy person would ever be able to give thanks to God while he's being lazy. There are many times, as we're doing our chores, I'm sure many of you ladies in this room, when you were in the kitchen baking something or preparing a meal, in your mind, you are talking to the Lord. And so many times, as we commune with the Lord, we're thankful for the things he's done for us in our life. But a person who's a sluggard, he will never say, Lord, thank you that I'm laying here wasting my whole day on the couch. That would not be a prayer that anybody would ever pray and without blaspheming the Lord. You would not pray that with a righteous heart. Colossians 3.23 And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Heartily means you're putting a lot of effort into it, a lot of initiative. There are workers who go to work and they work for the eyes of their boss that are on them. But as soon as the boss leaves, they become a slackard and a sluggard. The Lord is saying, don't do your work as unto men. 
God is always watching. He knows that we're cheating the boss out of the time. And he also knows when we're giving 100% effort. I still have two teenagers, and my boys are in school. Their number one objective after serving the Lord is to do well in school. We all have seasons in life. Their season in life right now is to do well in school. And seasons in life change. There's a lot of gray hair in this room. As we age and become senior saints, our number one objective in this season of life is to pray souls into the kingdom of lost family members. That's the most important thing. That's why we're here. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, teaching them the gospel of the Lord. And we never retire from that appointment that God has given us. Proverbs 6-7, again, considering the ants, which have no guide, overseer, or ruler. Many times our children, if we don't tell them specifically what to do, things don't get done. Did you ever notice that? It's also amazing, things don't clean up themselves. Our world is in disorder, and things seem to fall apart. They don't seem to come together because of the curse on the world. The ants, they have no guide except the way the Lord programmed them. Just like the leaves outside are going to be green here in a month, and in the fall they turn beautiful colors, and then they fall off the tree, these ants are wired. They have instincts, natural instincts from the Lord. That's why they have no guide, overseer, or ruler, and yet they are very productive. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Penury is poverty. All labor results in profit. How many times have you set out to accomplish goals during the day, and at the end of that day you look back and you go, wow, this was a good day. There was much accomplished. However, if we don't have those objectives, and we don't work during the day, it seems at the nighttime, we almost have a bad feeling from the day. It's like we know we wasted it. We have been unproductive. The talk of the lips tends to poverty. There are many people out there, they talk a good talk, but they don't walk the real walk. And their lips, they're always talking about the things they're going to do, but they never accomplish too much. And the Lord is saying that their lips tend only to penury. Proverbs 19.15 Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. It's almost a curse of being a slothful person. But these people, they say, well, I'll get out of bed next hour. And the next hour turns into two or three. They have wasted half the day. It says this slothfulness casts them into a deep sleep. And this is a physical picture. What's more disheartening to these people is that they're falling into this deep sleep in the spirit world. In the physical world, they might not have a very good job, and sometimes they might not even have enough food to feed their children. That does happen. But in the spirit world, their soul is in much poverty. Because as they're slothful in their life, 
God is not blessing them as they should be blessed by serving him. Proverbs 19.24 A slothful man hides his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Here we can almost see the Lord. I see one of the ladies over here, she's chuckling as she reads this verse. You can almost hear the Lord kind of chuckling as he's having Solomon write this. Here's a man. He takes a bite of food. Perhaps he's got a bowl of soup. And he lifts it up and he feeds himself. And he's so lazy, he can't take a second or a third bite. He takes his hand and slips it into his coat. That's an amazing picture. And yet there are people like that, not necessarily talking specifically about the food they're eating, but in their careers, in their management of their family, in their management of their finances and the blessing that God gives them in that area, and certainly in the management of their spiritual walk with the Lord, they do not pick up the second bite to eat. And remember, the Bible is the bread of life. It's the water of life. And we need these for our spiritual soul. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. There's this beautiful field that I looked at today. It's at a stop sign as I'm driving to the church. And it was beautiful green. So luscious. And the sun was shining on it. It was an awesome field. And it dawned on me that this farmer is going to have his first crop already. He's going to be able to harvest this crop, certainly within a couple of weeks. Now, if a farmer didn't go out and plant seed a month ago or six weeks ago, he wouldn't have a crop in two weeks. And remember, just a few weeks ago, we had snow. Sunday service was canceled at my church about a month ago because of the snow. This sluggard says, I can't go plow by reason of the cold. It's too cold outside. Because he doesn't, during the springtime of his life, it says he's going to beg at the harvest time in the fall time. And he's going to have nothing in the winter of his life. That's a picture of us in the spirit world. Every day is precious. Lord, teach us to number our days. We can't get them back. And the seeds that we planted when we were teenagers in 20s and 30s and 40s, even the seeds we're planting today, they will reach a harvest time. And in the spirit world, the sluggard, he's not planting seeds for the kingdom. He's not going to be at the bema seat for rewards. The second point today, the sluggard in God's economy is useless and self-deceived. How many of us would want to be considered useless by God? Many people are not useful. They're useless in the kingdom of God. And yet many of these people, they convince themselves that they're great in the sight of God. They are self-deceived. They have a spirit of guile. And they probably need to be saved. Proverbs 6, verse 8. Again, back to the ants. Provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Provides the meat in the summer means they care for those seeds that they planted at the springtime. So that when the fall time rolls around, they will have a rich harvest. And we need to do the same things. Once we're saved, we're not a mature Christian. 
all of us had a day when we came into the kingdom, when we were born again. On that day, we were still a babe in Christ. Just like when I went to visit my granddaughter at the hospital on, I guess that was Tuesday morning, she was already feeding. She had had three feedings in less than 24 hours. You know, your daughters fill you in on all those details, right? <laughs> but she was growing already as a baby, and as I was holding her, she was kind of whimpering. She was ready to eat again. But she wasn't eating steak dinner. She was drinking milk. And as a Christian, those seeds that we planted when we became a first, a babe in Christ, they need tending. They need to have provision of meat. They need to be watered and culled and cared for. And the same thing goes with our Christian walk. And the best way for us to care for and nurture our souls as babes in Christ is to be in God's word. It is the food of our life. God's word, his Bible, is his love letter to us. And there's nutrients that we can drink of that word every day. Proverbs 10.5 He that gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that causes shame. I pray for my children every day. It's by God's grace that your children will grow up and be productive for his kingdom. There are many parents who are not happy with their children. When I go to the juvenile jails, many times there are parents coming in and out. And these are teenage kids. I, I think about them as being children. Because my youngest son is older than some of those children that are in the jail. They're sometimes 10 and 11 years old and they're already in the juvenile jail facility. They are causing their parents shame. And at the harvest time, except they be born again, they will cause shame at the judgment seat. But the wise son will be diligent about tending to his soul by reading the word. Proverbs 10.26 As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to them that send them. How many of us would want to drink vinegar? None of us would. Or even smell vinegar for that matter. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was working at a grocery store. My job was to stock the grocery shelves. We had a pallet come in, and on that pallet were all the bottled items, and the bottled items were vinegar. And I stacked up several cases of vinegar, and I wheeled it into the aisle to put it onto the shelf. And for whatever reason, that stack fell over. And all of those vinegar bottles crashed on the tile floor. And what a mess. And what a smell. That vinegar was there for several days. God is giving us this example on becoming as that vinegar or smoke in the eyes. How many of us have tended to a fire? Maybe our children wanted to have a campfire and roast marshmallows. And the wind blows the wrong way and all of a sudden that smoke is in your eyes and your eyes tear up. Those are very discomfortable times. God is saying that sluggard is like vinegar and smoke to him. He doesn't want to be around that sluggard. 
How many of us want to be in that smoky condition or around that pallet where all that vinegar fell? None of us would. God doesn't want to be even near the sluggard. Proverbs 12, 11. He that tills his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The sluggards, they tend to hang around with other people that are not productive. If somebody is running a business or somebody is a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer or even a very busy housewife with children, they don't have time to be spending with busybodies who want to talk and talk and talk or lay on the couch and watch television all day. Those two companies don't mix. God is saying here, he that tills his land, who tends to his business, who takes care of his household, he will be satisfied with bread. They will never go hungry. And the same application in the spirit world, if we're tending to our devotions with the Lord, studying the Bible, praying, and fellowshipping with Jesus, we will always be satisfied with his bread of life. The vain people, they have void understanding. Remember last week when we went through what kind of friends to choose. We do not want to choose the foolish person, the one who sticks up his fist and says, there is no God. Actually just says, no God. The person in rebellion against God, that's a vain person. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. God is saying here, the hand of the diligent will rule. And look at it, it says, the slothful shall be under tribute. Tribute means they're under a measure of authority. And in many lands, in the Bible time, they would actually become the bondservants or the slaves. People that are slothful, many times, they get the people who are in authority angry. And they put them into positions of tribute. Being in jail is a form of being in a position of tribute. Because your freedom is taken away when you have a position under tribute. Proverbs 21, 25, and 26. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. It says here that the slothful, his desires will kill him. There are so many people... They desire a big house. They desire two or three expensive cars. They desire to go on expensive vacations. That's all it is with them. It's just desires. They talk about it. It's like a pipe dream. It never comes true. Because these people are slothful and they never have a desire to actually put in the effort and the goals and the planning to achieve those goals. But the righteous giveth and spareth not. If you have been diligent about your business, and as we progress into our senior years, we can look back and what God has given us by means of our home, our car, our savings, and as we faithfully tithe through the years, God will give us more so that we can give. It says the righteous giveth and spare not. You cannot outgive God. Remember that verse. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. 
For with the same measure you meet without, it will be measured back to you again. And as the righteous live their life, they have an abundance to be able to give to the people that need. Now that sluggard shouldn't be the one at the top of the list getting the money because they're not working for what they should be earning for their own lifestyle. 1 Kings 9.21 There are children that were left after them in the land whom the children of Israel also were not able to utterly destroy. Upon those did Solomon levy a tribute of bond service unto this day. Saul didn't kill all of the people groups he was supposed to. So those people were still in the land. And now Solomon, he's king 80 years after Saul began his reign. Saul 40 years, David 40 years, and then Solomon 40 years. And yet these unbelievers were still in the land. What Solomon did is he made them bond servants. He made them slaves to take care of some of the work that the Israelites did not want to do. And the same thing is going to happen and does happen today in this world, both in the physical world and in the spirit world. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 and 11. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So Paul is teaching the church at Thessalonica, these busybody people who are not working, who are going from house to house, if they do not work, they shall not eat. That's a pretty simple rule. That works not only on food on the table, but it also applies to money in the bank, your job, but also in the spirit world. If we're not about the Lord's work, the fields are white unto harvest. The Bema Seat judgment will be empty. God will have to wipe away tears. And I think part of the reason for the tears at the judgment is because we will see all of the blessings and rewards that the Lord had prepared for us, but because even Christians are sometimes slothful, we did not receive the full blessing that God had intended for us. Proverbs 6, 9. Now he's addressing the slugger directly. The first three verses were dealing primarily with the ants. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? That lazy person many times will live their entire life, 50, 60, 70, 80, or 90 years, and be a sluggard. How long will you sleep? Genesis 2.15. This teaches us God did not intend for man to be a sluggard. Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, before they fell, God had still already assigned a job to Adam. Genesis 2.15. And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Part of Adam's job was to take care of the Garden of Eden. Remember, God also assigned him the task of assigning a name to all the animals. And I remember our pastor was saying, Adam did a perfect job. If you looked at a horse, could you think of another name that would be better for a horse than horse? He did do a great job. Because remember, that was before the curse. Ecclesiastes 9.10 Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. 
for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you're going to go. So while we're alive, while we're in the flesh, before we pass through the portal into eternity, God says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because soon, all of our appointed time with the Lord, it's appointed on man wants to die. Everybody in this room, we will pass. And we can't do anything for the Lord anymore. Whatever you've done for the Lord during your life, that's it. You can't come back and start over. Some of those religions, they teach reincarnation. There is no reincarnation. Proverbs 18.9 He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Think of two brothers and they're growing up in the same household. One is slothful and God said his brother is a great waster. These people are not being productive but rather they're consumers. They might be the person that goes into a restaurant and orders this beautiful meal and somebody else is picking up the tab and they eat three or four spoonfuls and that's okay, I don't want any more of the food. And because they weren't paying the tab, they really don't care. And that's what slothful people do. They consume, they're wasters. God says they're wasters, they're brothers. But they don't think about the tab that has to be paid for that. First Timothy 5.8 but if any provide not for his own family, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. An infidel is an unbeliever. Denying the faith, that doesn't mean that this is a lost person. Because there are many people that are saved, they just get in situations where they do not provide for their family. You can see that many times in divorces. The husband gets angry at the wife, and he stops sending alimony or child support. And the children suffer. But God is saying, he is worse than an infidel. I remember our pastor asked me to counsel this man one time because he was going through a divorce. This man had come to me and we were going through his finances. And he was saying that the judge told him he had to pay this much child support and alimony. And he said, Jim, I just don't make enough money to do that. And I said, you have to send that check. That's the most important check because you're honoring God by honoring your wife and honoring your children. Forget about the bad blood that's going on between you right now. Your role as a father, and I can't remember if we discussed this verse or not, but this verse is saying if you don't provide for your own houses, your children, you're worse than an infidel. The third point today, the sluggard is in rebellion against God. The sluggard doesn't think he's in rebellion but he is in rebellion. Proverbs 6.10 Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. You can almost see the Saturday morning cartoons. The farmer on the couch and he folds his hands. And meanwhile, nobody's tending to the cows or the fields. And this is a picture here of this sluggard. Proverbs 22.13 The slothful man saith, There is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. How many times have we asked somebody to do something, sometimes our children, and they can come up with the craziest, wildest excuses for not doing the job? Well, here the sluggard, he's saying, I can't go out there. There's a lion in the street. 
it also points out that most of the time when somebody gives us an excuse for not doing something, we know the lie. All of those people living with this sluggard, they knew there was no lying outside. And yet he was saying this bold-faced lie to them as an excuse for not doing his job. Proverbs 26, 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. These sluggards, they think in many times that they know everything. They have an answer for every issue and they can give an opinion on any matter. This verse is saying this sluggard is wise in his own conceit. God is not saying this man has true wisdom. And he goes on to compare him with a fool. He says there is more hope of a fool than of this sluggard. And remember God's definition of a fool. The fool has said in his heart, in rebellion to God, no God. So a sluggard on the scales, the levels with the Lord is below the fool. Proverbs 26, 13, the slothful man saith, there is a line in the way, a line is in the streets. So here the Lord is saying this same excuse that the sluggard comes up with in another chapter of Proverbs. This man is coming up with wild excuses not to do his duty. Proverbs 26, 14, this is a very vivid mind picture. As the door turns upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. When you read this, don't you envision this big door on a castle? And it opens and it goes creak, and it slowly opens because it's so big. And here's this slothful man. His wife is saying, honey, you need to get up and do whatever, turning over on his bed. Just a lazy person. Proverbs 26, 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Many times we go to doctors with physical issues. And many times doctors, if they're not a specialist in a particular area, they will send you to somebody else. And I've talked to people, they've been sent to three, four, and five different doctors. And each one was a specialist, but they couldn't quite determine what the medical issue was. And these are wise doctors. They have many, many years of training. And here this sluggard, he's wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render with reason. Don't you think sluggards are fooling themselves when they're being lazy with their lives and they're wasting their lives? Matthew 25, 26. This is Jesus speaking giving one of the parables. The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. This parable is about the talents God gives us. God is calling this worker, he's wicked. He's wicked in the Lord's sight. And he's wicked and he's slothful. In God's eyes, if we're lazy and slothful, that's wickedness in the Lord's sight. Proverbs 6:11. So shall thy poverty come as one traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Let's focus in on the second part of this verse here. Because 
It's talking about your want will come, your poverty will come as an armed man. Let's think in our mind, we go to the local gas station to fill up our car. And when we get at the pump, somebody comes up to us and said, give me your wallet and your credit cards and the keys to your car, and they have a gun. They're armed. We are not going to put up much of an argument with this person. I would say, here's my wallet, my keys. Because that man is armed, our options are very limited, probably to nothing else but agreeing to what his request is. God is saying, your poverty will come as an armed man. The sluggard, when that poverty hits him, will have no options. And that poverty will be the gun to the head. He cannot escape it. It's not a very pretty picture to look at. Proverbs 13.4 The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Our soul is where we have the desires of life. If you like pizza, that's coming from your soul. If you're an emotional person, that's coming from your soul. There are certain things that we desire in our soul. There are sometimes, if you're working, you just want to go take a shower. Or you want to go to a nice restaurant. There are types of food you desire at certain times. The soul of the sluggard will desire, but he has nothing. It's emptiness. These are the promises for the sluggard. Proverbs 15, 19. The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. In the Bible days, in King Solomon's time, if they had a vineyard, they would put a wall around the vineyard. And many times the wall would be made out of stones that they would gather out of the field, but many times there were not enough stones to build the wall. So what they would do is they would get very thorny bushes and plant them very close to each other. And this would become a hedge. How many times have you prayed or heard a pastor say, let's pray a hedge of protection? In the spirit world, that hedge of protection is that thorny bush. Things can't come in. Or, for that matter, easily go out and escape. God is saying here, the way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns. He's always bumping into those thorns. He's always trying to step over that hedge of thorns. And those thorns are always picking him, always giving him pain, always infecting his soul. This is not a way we want to live our life. Proverbs 24, 30, and 31. Here, this is somebody viewing as he goes by and looks at the property of somebody who's a slothful farmer. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was growing all over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. This slothful man didn't care for the things that God had given him. He was a wicked steward of the talents God had provided for him. And do you notice here at the end it says, the stone of the wall was broken down? That means in the spirit world, he didn't have protections. Satan is firing fiery darts at all of us. Those wicked thoughts that we don't know where they come from. 
That's a fiery dart. That emotion that comes into our life that we have to have the grace of God to deal with, those are the fiery, wicked darts of the evil one. This man doesn't have a hedge of protection in the spirit world. If he's not saved, he's totally at the mercy of Satan and of his own flesh. Let's go on. Proverbs 24, 32. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. So this man who views the field, he stops and he looks at it and he ponders it and he says he receives instruction. There are many times when we look at people and the way they're living their life, we can learn lessons. If somebody's a smoker all of their life, and I know it's not too big in our society today, but when I was a child, many men smoked cigarettes two, three packs a day. Many of those men died of cancer. As a child, you can view with some sense of discernment things that the Lord puts before you. And even as an adult, we can look at people's lives. We can also be a means of instruction, of godly benefit to them. We don't want our children to repeat the mistakes that we do. And here, this man is looking down at this field, and it says he's receiving instruction. Point number four, God commands us to be productive for his glory and for his kingdom. Why were we brought into the earth? Why were we born? Each one of us, our purpose in life is to glorify the Lord. And do you know if a person goes to heaven, he's bringing glory to the Lord? But do you know the people that go to hell, it's for God's glory too? That's something we really don't want to think about. But everything is for God's glory. Who created hell? The Lord created hell. Remember, David said, if I wake up in hell, thou art with me. Everything that God made is for his glory. Let's look at Genesis 2.2. This is the Lord speaking. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. This is a pattern for our life. The Lord worked. The Bible says he worked when he created all things. But he rested on the seventh day. And this is a picture we can follow. We should work diligently during the week. But we should give one day of the week for the Lord as the Lord's day. I don't want to be legalistic and say you need to worship on this day or that day. But all of us know when we get tired. All of us know when the weight of the world is upon us. We need to fellowship and renew the joy in our life with the Lord. It's not really too much for us to give the Lord time. I actually had this conversation with my 14-year-old this week because I wanted to do a Bible study, and he said, Dad, I really have a lot of homework to do. His name is Justice. Justice, how many hours in the week do we have? And he was like doing the math, and he said, I said, it's 7 times 24. There's 168 hours. Now, how many hours did you give to the Lord this week? Imagine somebody gives you a $100 bill because they're borrowing it to you. And they say, well, in a week from now, give me the $100 back. A week later, you go up to that person and you give them 2 or $3 out of the 100 
that person who lent you that money would look at you and go, well, what happened to the rest? God is lending us our life. What are we doing with it? Are we going to, at the judgment seat, when he says, here's the accounting for the $100 bill I gave you, and we're going to give him 2 or $3 back? No, we need to serve the Lord with more joy and love and time. When we fellowship with our friends, what's the most important thing? Time. Share time with our family, our friends, our mates, our children, whoever they might be. God wants the same from us. He wants to fellowship with us, and that means spending time with the Lord. Proverbs 20:13. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. In the practical sense, many times we have to open our eyes to opportunities. Perhaps it's a home we're going to buy. There's a really good value on this property. It's under market. The seller needs to sell. That's a value. That's something that we opened our eyes in the physical world to that opportunity. But in the spirit world, there are also many opportunities. Usually, they are to serve the Lord by witnessing. Proverbs 28:19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Again, the people that follow after the ways of the world, they end in destruction. They will have poverty at the end. They will not receive the true joy of life when they're walking in the flesh, nor will they receive the benefits of the Bema Seat judgment when the Lord calls them home. Romans 13, 11 and 12. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. This passage in Romans is talking to us Christians. It has to say the high time is to awake out of sleep. Too many Christians are asleep at the wheel intending to the Lord's kingdom. These verses are saying, wake up. And it says, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The armor of light is God's gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the sword of the spirit that we can share with people. God says many of us are asleep and we need to wake up. Look at Ephesians 5.14. Therefore he saith, Awakest thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Now this verse can talk to people, to people that are not saved. Awake, O sleeper, in your sins. Arise from the dead. Your soul is dead. It needs to be quickened. It needs to be born again. But just like Romans speaks to the Christian, you can make an application here from this verse. If we're a Christian, but we're not about the Lord's kingdom in the ways that we should. 2 Timothy 2.15 Here's another direct verse to us Christians. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. God gives us the holy word. Our objective during the day should be to look at it and to study it, to meditate upon it, and even to verbalize it into our mind by memorizing it. Hebrews 6.10 
For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. This verse is teaching us that all of these things that we have done for the Lord, Pastor Jones, you were saying you've served the Lord for 62 years in ministry. This verse is saying God is not unrighteous. He's not going to forget anything you did for the Lord. Even 62 years ago, God will remember that. For every one of us, when we serve the Lord, God remembers that. Look at Hebrews 6.11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Every one of us needs to be diligent about our service for the Lord. Once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. But remember, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we need to be about the Lord's work. Remember when we went over the fear of God three weeks ago? All of God's blessings flow from the fear of God. The fear of God is his wellspring. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And here, as we fear the Lord and we're about his work, that's how we have assurance of hope of our salvation. People that are living a lifestyle in sin, the thought has to go through their mind, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? But over here, the person who's diligent about serving the Lord, that thought doesn't come into his head. Or if it does, immediately the fellowship with the Holy Spirit quenches that thought. And if we're communing with the Lord, how can we not be saved? Jesus is going to say to the unbeliever, depart from me, I never knew you. But if you're talking to the Lord, you know him and he knows you. Now he knows everybody in this room, how many hairs we have on our head. But we have to know the Lord in a personal relationship. The last verse for today, Hebrews 6.12. And you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So this verse on this topic of being a slothful, lazy person, this verse is saying to you, be not slothful. There's a command from the Lord, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We can go through that great chapter in Hebrews, by faith Moses, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, remember? All of those, they went through trials and tribulations of life. God says our personal walk of faith, we need to do it with patience. And look at the promise. We will inherit the promises. God has an inheritance for all of us. Remember, he's going to divide the spoil with the strong. And if we're a Christian, we're part of the strong. He will divide the spoil with us to the winner goes the spoils. We need to be about the Lord's work, diligent and not slothful. These are powerful verses. In some ways, when I was doing this study, I was admonished because there are many things that I can look back in my life and even today, I want to be lazy about things. But we should fight that. That's the flesh coming out. We need to be about the Lord's work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your word, Lord.
It's our bread of life. Lord, we can learn so much by studying your word for this message, that it would be a blessing to the people that heard it today. And Jesus, this week, many of us will meet people that need you, Lord, as their Savior, that you would give us the grace on our tongue to be able to present your word, the precious gospel message to them. And also, Lord, for many of the senior saints that may have meetings with their doctors this week, that you would bless them and continue to give them good health. Also, my parents, Lord, I thank you that they have good health and that you continue to bless them. And Jesus, we ask all of this in your precious name. We love you, God. Amen. And you are dismissed.